Hi, and welcome to the Just Riding Along Show. Hello and welcome to episode 46, and since I had zero input, I have two things ready here. One is baby chickens, the second one is Mackers and the Arvo. <laughs> that sounds Australian? That... Yeah. The McDonald's in the afternoon. Okay, is that Australian? Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. It's oh, like yeah. super Australian. I'm so glad oh, that yeah, I just Kenny guessed o. that. That's awesome. We got a new patron, and I guessed just based on their title that they were from Australia. New patrons? Who the shit mix is this? Um, let's find out. Andrew didn't put this in order for me. I did. I thought I did. All right. So we're going to do patrons real quick. We have Will, $10. We have Will, Tom, the real Buck Stuffins, <laughs> Ty, Scott, <laughs> Sam, Phil, Yo, Huang, Parker, Nicole, Nick, Nick, Ben from Mountain Bike Radio, Michael, Leland, Lead Out Sports, Ken, Josh, Joshua from the Nintesa. So Josh from the Northern Territories is my guest there. Uh, Josephine Exotic, Jamie, Jake, Green Giant, ho, ho, ho. Gordon, G-Man Olsen, uh, Ezra Trilogy, let's see, Evan, Dean, Clayton, Brian, Brad, Bill, Alec, AJ, Aaron, and then in 20 we have Troy, Six Pack Outdoors, Ryan, Mike, Joe, Harley, Brady, Brad, Anthony, and Affordable Trail Solutions. I don't know why I put my smooth late night voice on for that, but I did. Um, so yeah, Josh O from the Inteza. That was my Mackers in the Arvo reference there. Cause that's the only Australian phrase that I can get half damn right. I mean, I think you can just start yelling out swear words and say, Oh fuck. It's a kangaroo. Oh, cunt. There's a mouse plague. <laughs> Who's going to go first. I want to talk about chicken nuggets first because we haven't had a chicken nugget and we happen to have. 20 chicken nuggets. We have 23 chicken nuggets right now. Like literal, little tiny fuzzy chickens. Keep, the size keep. of nuggets running around and making little peep noises. And uh, yeah, they're, it's exciting to have all those little chickens because they're real cute and they make great noises. But that's my chicken nugget. I went... Last week, I went out to the Collegiate Peaks Wilderness and went hiking and fishing. If you look at my Instagram, I caught the world's smallest trout. It was literally, I don't know, the bait I was using. The spinner bait was probably a quarter of the size of the trout, if not almost half the size of the trout. So that was entertaining. Uh, Matt and I rode the Rainbow Trail. That was really cool. Matt's get, I'm getting Matt yep. kind of addicted to this southern... Well, it's really the middle part of the Rainbow Trail. The part of the Rainbow Trail, if, you're, if you've ever visited the area or if you live in Salida or the surrounding area, you're probably very familiar with the Rainbow Trail that you have the option of doing at the very end of the Monarch Crest route. And a lot of people choose to skip it. It is difficult. Uh, it's lots of up and down. It's very steep. It's can be. It can be kind of hard to get your rhythm especially if you're very tired and what a lot of people don't know is that that rainbow trail very same trail continues once you would leave that you know if you're doing monarch crest 
it actually continues for another 90 or so miles going south and east. It's a very... Heavy on the ish. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's moto trail. And a lot of people, even if you don't know about that part, a lot of people know about the part that kind of connects to that that's just outside of Salida in the kind of Bear Creek to Sand Gulch area. That's also a pretty popular ride on the Rainbow Trail. But once you get away from Bear Creek, the trail gets extremely difficult. It's it's not difficult. It's very fuck you, punchy in the face. Yeah. Let's get yeah. it right. It's Yeah, it wants to kick you in the face. It's sandy. It's gravelly. Sometimes it's rocky. Sometimes it's loamy. Sometimes it's uh, loamy and flowy, but then there will be one gigantic basketball-sized rock that you just kind of carve your way around as you're going really fast down a hill. Uh, yeah, it's... I think it's just one of my favorite trails to ride, and I'm glad that I'm getting Matt kind of hooked on this stuff that's a lot of people... The The problem is, because it gets so sandy and gravelly, there ends up being some hike-a-bike, and a lot of people don't like hike-a-bike, so that right off the top eliminates, you know, some people. And not, that's fine. I'm not saying you have to do hike-a-bike to be a mountain biker. I mean, it's honestly like, you're not getting me addicted to it. I just want to get quick and I don't want to drive to town to ride trails. I mean, I did a, I did a 2000 foot road and old forest service road climb that led directly into more climbing that had a lot of hike a bike for like two 15 minute descents. Yeah. That's kind of how it goes. <laughs> and for the record, I'm running the YT with a 34 right now. The 36 is off and I set the fastest men's time on one of the segments out there. I was like, but like Andrea said, I was full blown ripping, and I was just like, "Cool, the trails you're just al- close to disaster." So often, yeah, I was like, the, I was like, "Cool, the trails off camper." I'm heading straight for this rock that's essentially like half of a basketball lane in the trail, and it's off camper and loose though, so I'm sure that I'll just end up wide of it by the time I get there in like 35 yards, and it worked out. Yeah, you know, like yeah. so much just like. It's like the ultimate, the, the way I like to think of it is it gets to be kind of like the ultimate trail bike kind of trail because it you need to be able to handle your bike because it's difficult up and down. But at the same time, you got to be really fucking fit. So like that Venn diagram of people who have like cross country level fitness doesn't overlap a lot with people that are riding bigger bikes that can kind of handle not that you can't ride it on any bike because they definitely have but i mean i've ridden it on a hardtail yeah yeah i mean we've both done our time on hardtails on rainbow trail but it's better inarguably better on a best enjoyed yeah. on a more capable bike exactly. i think it's a great way to put it you know the just the nature of the rocks and the trail itself really lends itself to a bigger stiffer fork and just more travel in general. So that Venn diagram of people that have that bike and that want to do that kind of effort, there's just not a lot of overlap there. So it's just... That want to ride from the location we rode from. That's the other problem. that too, yeah. Because the ride we did, if you rode it from Howard, where we live, you, you leave the car and you ride up to the trail... And then you ride trail, and then you descend down to the highway, and you ride home. If you rode that ride from Salida, you would either... People have done it. It's out and back, so I was kind of looking at... Yeah, it's just 
an album back on that would just be soul crushing. Um, yeah, so it's, it's a very soul crushing trail. So it's yeah, it's not not a taste for everyone, but I I love it. So. And fun fact, that was my very first single track motorcycle ride was doing an <laughs> out and back that started where we finished pretty much. So wait, did you get yeah, a motorcycle? Terrible. No, 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 no. Like my first, first single track oh. motorcycle ride ever was on this gnarly shit. I was yeah, gonna say if here. a motorcycle showed up and you didn't tell me. Nope. I was gonna be I have really a, sad. Uh, my understanding is the motorcycle is now the container has arrived in America. That is the update I received from my very awesome dealer on I believe the eighth or ninth. Nice. Yep. And it was just like a big like everyone was blind copied in that has an open order and it was like once I have a tracking confirmation for each individual bike, I'll be following up with everyone here directly, sending out your final invoices and working on estimated pickup dates. And so by the way, I know that this is not the e bike show or the motorcycle show or the car show, but uh, we talk about what we want to talk about. <laughs> For those that might be slightly interested, I think it matters just in general because it's, I think, going to be truly the Tesla of the motocross world, the Stark Varg, uh, S-T-A-R-K, Varg, V-A-R-G. Uh, I believe Swedish company, maybe developing in Spain. I don't know all the details, but regardless, been watching that one for a while. The media embargo lifted on that uh, yesterday, so... If you're curious about such things, or you just like neat things, or you like to see technology advance, go watch some videos on that because uh, I think it's the probably the, the real deal. It's it's nasty. That sounds like fun. Yep. Yeah. And for those of you that are like, what the hell are they talking about? I ordered an electric trials bike. Uh, I don't know if I've stated that clearly before. Um, so yeah, about. 10 days ago, both of our motorcycles sold. So Andrea's 250 and my 450 sold. My electric motion E-Pure is on the way, and uh, that's that. So um, since we live so close to a trial zone, and I have, well, Andrea has, and she lets me exist here, um, two (laughs) acres of land. You can ride it around and fuck around in the yard without pissing the neighbors off and smelling, making the house smell like... you could literally, we can start the motorcycle, the gas motorcycles. We'd start them up in the driveway and be like, oh, fuck, go close all the windows of the house so it doesn't smell like motorcycles inside. Right. You live somewhere without air conditioning and suddenly warming up your motorcycle so you can go for a ride is like a pain in the ass because you need to close all your windows, crank the motorcycle, and then because you're riding after work, you need to go back inside once it's warm and like open all the windows again and then get everything just so and crank it and like rip down the driveway immediately, like get away from the house as fast as possible. And of course, like, you know, neighbors could hear it. And I, I'm a, I don't, I have no interest in tearing apart motorcycles and working on them. So everything that the electric bike could need. So tires, hydraulic disc brakes. And honestly, because I won't have tools pulling suspension to send it off for occasional service, that's all within my wheelhouse. So I'm just going to order, I've ordered one of those, and I'm going to ride it in my yard. I'm going to ride it at the local moto trials area, and I'm going to ride some single track on it, because the single track here is fucking hard. And I don't think anybody's going to be like, you know, it's a pretty easy trail. Your trials bike's overkill. I think they're going to be like, 
wow, that thing's pretty cool and it's really light and um, no one can go fast here because it just goes straight the fuck up this rock shoot of doom. So Yeah, I would love to have the non-trials version of that. But I I ain't got it in the bank like Matt does. Yeah. <laughs> well, it sounds I'm like uh, it sounds like Matt sold your motorcycle and and poured some of that into his trials bike. It's pretty fucked up. No, no, no. I put it in my bank account. <laughs> so that I actually had money for things like groceries and gasoline. And Andrea sold her motorcycle based on the fact that we ride so little. I guess the other yeah thing for is- me it was just it was the fact that. I couldn't, after I got pulled over by the sheriff that time and he told me not to, he said he'd impound the moto if I, if he saw me riding it without a plate again. Basically, ever since then, I just never rode it because it just turns into a thing to get it someplace to go ride it. So, yeah, I, it just, I needed the money more than I needed a motorcycle. We don't have to discuss it. Yep. Where were we with that? I, yeah, I, 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 I derailed know. you pretty you hard there. talking about the rainbow trail, maybe? Uh, oh yeah, maybe rainbow talking about hard. what we we're talking about. Maybe something being we we're talking about Rainbow motors. Trail oh. and how hard of an out and back it was. And yeah. I said that was my first moto ride, and you're like, you got a new moto, and I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, someone else can go. I'm uh, I'm I'm good. That's pretty much all I've done this week. So Andrew talked about my bigger bike ride, but I've done some other rides. I, I rode a bunch. I've taken a couple of days off now, but going back the last I don't know like 15 or 16 days, I've ridden a bunch of them. I've only had a few off days. Um, but like in a good way, like, oh, I rode the trainer like a quick 20 or 30 minutes or like, oh, I did a quick easy ride today. Um, like today is Saturday. I would normally work. We would normally record different. It doesn't matter. But normally I would work today. I took the weekend off. So I rode hard on last Sunday and then I did something easy on like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Oh, we did farm work all day with Tom. Yeah. Um, and then Thursday, we did that really hard ride. Didn't do anything yesterday, just chilled. Today, I did an easy ride. Tomorrow, I'll go do another hard ride. So that's pretty much it that way. Uh, fake tattoos. I have a fake tattoo right now. We, we were doing a <laughs> bunch of like cleaning today, just kind of like organizing things and, you know, just going through shit and just trying to avoid going outside into the furnace. Well, not just the fact that it's super hot outside, but the fact that. It just happens. Like, you accumulate things, and you squirrel them away, and then one day you're like, why do I have all this shit? And you throw a bunch of stuff away, right? I think that's fairly common for most people. And I found some old goo temporary tattoos, so I put one on. Um, and I just find it to be hilarious that I have a, I'm a 34-year-old man with a temporary tattoo. It's, like, hilarious to me. Uh, we talked about baby chickens. Um, and talking about cleaning things up, check my Instagram this coming you know, like this will be posted on Monday, I guess. Sunday night, late, Monday, whatever. Check Instagram this week. I'll have a bunch of stuff for sale because it it's one of those things where I don't even know how to put it. It's not like, oh, no, I ordered a motorcycle. I have to sell all my shit. It's more like I'm never going to use this Rival 22 mechanical again. I should sell it. I have a dropper post that doesn't fit any bike that I own. I should sell it. Um, and I've never not never it's just over the last six months i haven't done that sell it portion and that's what i'm going to launch into this week is trying to get rid of a bunch of crap that i have that i'm never going to use again so one other big update that andrea missed is forerunner was delivered today oh yeah that's right so andrea's truck is finally back nearly four months after smoking a deer 
I got the forerunner back. Forerunner's back. I got a lift on it. Yep. It's awesome. I a leveling lift to make the front the same height as the rear. It's, it's yeah. only kind of lifted. Yeah. It's not like really I feel lifted. like I'm in a monster truck. Seriously. She's also driven the Subaru for the last four months and then hopped into a 2021 Forerunner. And yes, it's a bigger vehicle. Yes. Kenny, what's new with you? Nothing new with me. Uh, it's pretty hot here as well. I think we're going to do Park City really early in the morning tomorrow. Been riding the moto a bunch. It's super fun. Uh, I washed my bike for the first time in a year, I think. Uh, so what's the what's the elevation of the Park City trails? Starts at seven. Okay. Yeah, parking lot seven, tippy tops like maybe ten. Cool. What else? Kind of same as you today. Did a bunch of housework. The Levo is running good. Brakes are good. Uh, for those that don't know, I kind of battled a little bit with the TRP brakes and finding rotors that don't warp. So that, I think that's finally fixed. Any new bike parts? And you fix them by using the SRAM HS2 rotors? Yeah. So there's not a whole okay. lot of brands out there that make rotors that are thicker than 1.8. And SRAM recently came out with theirs. I've been very happy with SRAM rotors in general over the past while, ever since the centerline came out. So... Yeah, they work good. I think that's really it with me. Nothing exciting. Do you have any new shit that you hate or don't hate? I don't think so. I feel like not a lot of bicycle stuff has come out. I have a feeling that we're probably due for neat stuff from you know the likes of SRAM and everybody else. I, th- I think it's just time that we see something big. Uh, did we talk about new RockShox suspension on a previous show? Surely we did, right? No. I mean, I think Matt mentioned it in his weekend review show, but we didn't really talk about it. it. I think that we recorded on Wednesday night and the embargo ended Thursday at like 11 a.m. or something. Oh, or okay. whatever time. Well, let's talk about that. If you hear a weird that. noise right now. Our uh, rice cooker is yeah, the, blowing off steam right now. Um, but yeah. All right. So back so, to SRAM suspension. <laughs> RockShox came out with uh, some new stuff. The TLDR of the whole thing is basically they've got little bumper guys that go in the bottom of the air spring and the damper shaft where it connects to your lowers and it's supposed to take out a little bit of trail chatter. Um, I don't even want to say the word buttercup because it just reeks of marketing (laughs) wank and it bothers me. But anyway. I love that they put on something that tough enduro bro ets and bros are going to use and they called it a buttercup. Yeah, that is kind of funny, I guess. Yeah, I'm, that's what I like about it. There is someone in RockShox that was like, it's too bumpy. And they were like, harden it up, buttercup. And he's like, Durr. and then they made it. And they're like, shit, it works really well. And they called it buttercups in his honor. That's my, I made that up, but you you can't prove me wrong. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure that there are some people that listen that might be able to prove you wrong. Nope. I'm. This is not open for comment, public comment. <laughs> this is... I'm going with that story, and I'm sticking to it. All right. And then they revamped the charger damper. So no longer is the charger damper a bladder style. It's now a, I don't know what you call it, style, more like the Fox grip damper where it uh, will self-equalize. And so you don't have to bleed it, which is pretty neat. Yeah. I think it's that's about sealed, it. sealed, maybe, is a way to word it. Yeah, I, I guess. I'm, you know, semi-sealed situation. But uh, anyway... I haven't looked at the insides of it yet because I just haven't 
Well, I don't really have an excuse. I haven't looked at it yet. I'm really curious to see it because I like that. But it sounds like they made it a little more idiot-proof. Which is, I feel like, something that all bike companies have to battle with. Or the people that just will open something up and be like, Oh, I, could, I see how to do this. Or Yeah. They, re- they might have the instructions out and the instructions say bleed the the damper and they don't read the rest of the instructions about how to do that. So yeah. The only non idiot part is a lot like when Fox came out with their grip damper. Um, and maybe it wasn't around, maybe it wasn't grip, maybe it was something else, but regardless, special juice when their dampers required the new Teflon and people just didn't know any better. And they're running like the old green or the old red, or even putting in like 20 weight gold by accident. And then that gets sucked in by your damper and then your fork feels like shit. People will do the same thing probably with the RockShox world because there is a new oil for these forks. So keep that in mind if you happen to end up with one of these that you need new oil. Yeah. Read the instructions. SRAM does a Read the instructions. Oh, I've got another great thing. Wonderful instructions. Yes. And they have a wonderful lady who writes instructions for them. And I highly recommend if you are someone who likes well written instructions, go and read SRAM's instructions. So I want to point out, in a similar vein, they're more engineering-type diagrams, but all of their detailed diagrams for all their stuff, for example, you can look up MTB frame specifications and road frame specifications, and it will show you what all the tolerances are supposed to be in every single part of every little thing ever. So if you need to know what the chain line is supposed to be on some dub, wide, whatever, it tells you everything. And it all... If you're nerdy like me, it's fun to read that stuff because all the stuff kind of makes sense and then you can figure out, you know, where they made changes and what spindles are the same widths and all that kind of stuff. So they have really well-written documentation. So uh, thanks for doing that, SRAM. Yeah, if you are a member of our patron Slack, then someone asked, can you put this lever with this caliper? And motherfucking Troy Laffey replied and said... Well, he didn't say anything. He just replied with this amazing chart that he tells let the you, PDF do the talking. Yeah, he just put up this chart that SRAM made that's color coded about compatibility. So that was wonderful. Answered the question perfectly. But that's all I have, and that's all the stuff I can think of off the top of my head that happened. Because uh, this all boiled down to so for those people out there that might be trying to put power meters on new gravel bikes. We're in this weird flux right now where there's not a SRAM quark ready power meter for dub wide and dub wide is what goes on modern gravel bikes, unfortunately. And essentially what dub wide is, if you're curious, is, uh, it's essentially equivalent to a 73 mil English threaded bottom bracket shell for a mountain bike. It's like that starting width. And of course there's press fit versions and BB 30 versions and all that kind of stuff. But essentially you need to have a spindle that's wide enough to fit a modern mountain bike, but the arms are not as wide as a mountain arm. But that does not exist right now. But it kind of sort of does. You know what? I saw a picture from Dirty Konza that was... And I Unbound. Don't, sorry. I You know, I did the race, and I'm an asshole for not changing the way that I address it um, now, but I'm I'm trying. Anyway... So I saw pictures somewhere. I don't know where it was. I don't know what bike it was, but it looked like if you've seen what the 
cross-country riders have been riding, that solid black chain ring. Mm-hmm. It was obviously a road crank that has kind of that weird little tab on it. Sure. That uh, the red cranks have now, the cork cranks have now. It was that crank with one of those solid black chain rings. I don't remember where I saw it. I don't know if it was a product photo. I don't know if it was a photo of like a rider and that happened to be in it. It might have been a photo of Lachlan Morton maybe. I don't know. I'd have to click around and try to find it. But Wouldn't be Lackey. He rides Shimano. Okay. Yeah, I, I have seen a picture of what looks like a cork that is not something that is currently available. So, I don't know. Maybe it was just someone riding a normal cork with a fancy chain ring and their bike doesn't require the wide, uh, you know, the wide spindle. But So, yeah, I can tell I, you guys how to do it. All right. So there are How do you do it? two ways right now that you can do it. Uh, one is you can run a Mountain XX1 power crank, and you're just going to have the Q factor of your mountain bike, but everything clears, and you can put any spider on those crank arms that you want. So if you want to do an old school 110 BCD because you've got those rings laying around and you run the outer ring position, you can do that. Uh, you could run a 104 Mountain set up and just run a really big chain ring because a lot of people make very large 104 uh, one by chain rings and the other solution is you can buy a force power meter ready crank and the force carbon comes in comes in wide but they don't make it officially with a power meter like you can't buy just those crank arms you have to buy it with chain rings so it's kind of hidden in that way and they make it in one by and two by versions. You just rip off that spider and it's an eight bolt underneath. And you can put on the spider if you're choosing. Uh, oh, also you could use a uh, 107 power meter spider if you want to do the 107 one by chain rings. And then the last solution is you can run a rival. They make the rival alloy with the spindle based power meter in dub wide. Ain't that some shit. So there you go bunch of ways to do that i imagine that they will very shortly release just because right now it's kind of nice i like it where you can buy whatever power meter you want and they're all eight bolt and there's no like to my knowledge you can basically mount any quark eight bolt spider to any quark slash SRAM eight bolt crank it won't like mess up chain lines or anything if that makes sense as long as you have the right spindle width basically if you had a a 104, a 107, a 110, any of those power meters, they will all kind of line up where they're supposed to. So that's kind of cool. Yeah. Okay, I think that's it. That's all I got. There's a new shit that I I don't necessarily like this very specific thing, but I like the idea in general, and I think that it's been a long time coming. And is the pack company Apidura made a custom arrow set of frame bags for one of the professional racers at Unbound. It is, let's see. Was that the specialized yeah. collaboration maybe or no? No, it was with Ridley and Hunt Wheels and okay. it is for the rider. Let me find his name. Because I saw some new like specialized bags that maybe are made by some third party. I'm not sure. Fat Pigeon is the name of the team and the racer is Noel Van Loon. And he's on a Ridley Conzo Fast, and he has this set of aero frame bags. And, you know, the article is really weird. Like, there's obviously some Photoshop going on and some stuff that 
is a computer rendering, but they basically put him and the bike into a wind tunnel and 3D printed mounts for the bag to eliminate the kind of gap space where you would get some air turbulence as you were pedaling down the road. Now, would this matter that much for most people as far as your average speed of a normal human versus a professional racer? Probably not as much, but I think that, and this is something that I looked at when I was planning to do Tour Divide, you know, two years ago was, you know, what can I make more aero? Because you were out in the wind for so long, like just time on the course and time in the wind, what can you do to just make it a little bit easier every day? So, you know, I was looking at things like aero helmets. I was looking at the clothes I was going to wear. You know, a lot of people are really into, you know, the baggy shorts and larger jerseys and stuff for bikepacking. But, you know, I, I tend to just go with what I'm comfortable in. But also those things add up over time. You know, you're just out there for a really long time. So I think it's worth thinking about how your bags can interface with your bike. And, you know, it's just another one of those little things that you can check off the list of how can I make this slightly faster? How can I make it slightly easier? And I think it's something that people who do the ultra long races, whether it's gravel or mountain bike or whatever, I think it's something to pay attention to. And I don't necessarily like what they did. I mean, it looks cool. It's a one of. It's a hundred percent not cool. They talk about reducing the air gaps, and then they put up photos of it with giant air gaps. It does. It's funny they have the photos are really weird, and yeah, there's right behind the piece of three D printed plastic that that mounts the frame bag to the frame. There's a big gap between the very tail of the frame bag and the top tube. So, yeah, it's this one specific thing. I don't really, I don't necessarily like. But I do like the idea of paying attention to how aero your setup is. If you're going to do something where it's you and the wind for hours upon hours upon days, so I think it makes sense. But yeah, I think not that's, a fan. I think it's well, yeah. I'm not necessarily a fan of the Apadura one of kit that's shown here, but I, I'm a fan of bringing aero to everyone, not just to road racers. Nah, man. I want 60 millimeter wide handlebars. <laughs> I want baggy shorts. I need a bong hanging off my saddle. Oh, gosh. What was I looking at the other day where they were talking about something being more aero? And the lady riding this gravel bike that they were talking about some a part or her clothing or something that was more aero. But she had these handlebars that were so wide at the drops that her hands, it was a straight on picture, her hands were literally, there was a gap between the silhouette of her hands and her hips. They were so wide. It's like, one, how is that comfortable? And two, why do you care about the rest of your shit with aeroness when your bars are that wide? There's just that huge gap there. I don't know. Need some fairings on them or something. <laughs> uh, one other thing I wanted to just touch, touch on briefly, and this is another thing I don't necessarily like this specific product. But I like this idea, and it is that Garmin is now making a solar rechargeable computer. And I think that you get 42 minutes back per hour of daytime riding. So it is 
Uh, they say battery life up to 100 hours when you're in battery saver mode. Now, I will say, and maybe Gar- Garmin has changed this since I've had a touchscreen Garmin. Uh, the last Garmin that I had, if I tried to use battery saver mode, the GPS would flicker on and off every five to ten minutes. So I couldn't use battery saver mode. And if I sweated on it, it would make the screen go stupid. So I don't necessarily like Garmin touchscreen computers. I would try one again if they sent me one and let them know if they fix those things or not. Because I know someone from Garmin listens. But I so hope that... One thing I'll point out on that is that I've, I've seen one. The 1040, uh, which is the model with solar one, the screen looks kind of eh. It looks like kind of there's something wrong with it because there is essentially clear solar cell over the entire thing. So it just looks weird. It's like kind of yellow. Huh. But I mean, I guess a serious question there is if if you only use that computer for a few weeks, do you think you'd notice it anymore? I mean, maybe I notice stuff like that and it bothers me. Like when someone's yeah, TV it... is set up all fucky, I'm like, why do you have oh, it on yeah. like the <laughs> stupid consumer vivid mode that makes everything look horrible? Because <laughs> that's how it comes from the box. Cause it like, it's, you know, it's like sparkly, but it looks horrible <laughs> anyway. So that stuff bugs me. Well, I don't like it when my computer doesn't work. And the last touchscreen Garmin I had was, the worst one of the worst wastes of money on a bike part that i've ever made so you know, like we had a friend a coworker that needed a garmin computer and matt's like oh why don't you sell him this one i'm like i wouldn't give this to a friend it's so bad i tried to use it as a moto computer just to see speed and it wouldn't even work for that it just stopped working so badly that it just wouldn't work just to show me miles per hour while i'm riding my motorcycle not even to have it turned like, just show me speed and don't turn off. And it just, it couldn't do that. So maybe not in Garmin, but, you know, if Wahoo got this technology, I'd probably, probably go to it. I like that. I don't hate anything this week. <laughs> I hate everything this week. You just hate everything in general. Do we have listener questions to do? We have a couple. Uh, our Patreon, Jason, who said, fuck it, my brake sucks, so I'm going to get a spot rocker. Uh, he replied back that both of his bikes are old. He said, I think I should part them out before everything is worthless. Parting them out would be the way to go, right? I feel like unless your frame is broken or something big is broken, like the fork or the wheels or the frame, I I think selling it whole is usually the best way to go. I feel like it's easier that way. Yeah, you're going to fuck around and sell like the frame, the fork, and then just have like a crank set and a few things you're gonna be like shit i should just throw this stuff away now because it's just you're gonna be in the position i'm in where you just have two bins full of shit and you're like where did all this come from right whereas if you sell your bike it's just like here's my bike oh there's a stack of cash all that shit's gone bye exactly um yeah what else so we have from patron slack from Clayton, he says, here's a question that's been on my mind recently. Do y'all think that gravel racing's popularity will die down at all with the continuing influx of legit full-time pro riders? Like even a few years ago, people with normal jobs could podium the open race. That doesn't seem possible anymore. Or do you think we'll see more racer types transition to focusing on the niche races, ultras, fat bike, and single speed categories, etc., or back to mountain bike? 
I have a quick opinion, which is there's only a handful of people that used to be competitive because no one faster showed up that are butthurt. There's only a handful of people that show up thinking they're actually going to ride on the pointy end of the race at all these events. Um, I mean, honestly, right? Like Joe Smith, who works an office job, doesn't show up to Unbound and it's like, I'm going to make the lead group today, baby. You know, that's just, and it's not because the pros are there. I mean, it is because the pros are there, but it's also <laughs> because like the ultra fast are there. It's it's not like, and I don't know what happened. I know he raced it, but like Sagan raced the hundred miler. I don't know if he actually raced or if it was a publicity stunt. I don't know. I haven't looked into it. He didn't win. So I know that, but I guess my point is, is like, I, there's so many, there's so few people that are showing up to race race. And there's so many people that are showing up to experience race that, yeah, I think that people are just going to keep racing. Now that handful of people that used to be able to go and like mop shop that can't anymore, if they have to be the big dick in the small room, then yeah, they're going to go to something different. But if they just, if they're just bike racers wanting to bike race, they're going to show up and race. That's my, that's my take. Yeah, I mean, I feel like if you are in that category that Matt was talking about where, yeah, I used to go to gravel races and get, you know, pro somehow podium like what Clayton's talking about. But now, you know, some international pro shows up and I'm, you know, fifth or sixth place and it kind of sucks. Well, I don't know. I feel like if you're in that position, racing with those people can make you better. I feel like if you're just the person that's going and, you want the experience, you want to see how fast you can go, maybe be like, oh, I finished in the fifth group back or something like that. You know, you maybe still pretty quick. I don't think you really care that much. You know, like Matt said, but I feel like if you don't see, if you are one of the higher level people and you don't see competing with someone who is at a much higher level, like an international or domestic professional, I kind of feel like, you know, you're missing out on some good training or just a good mindset or, you know, maybe you can see how long you can race with them. I don't know. There's different, there's a different way to look at it where you can see it as more of a benefit to yourself than a detriment, I think. And, you know, then there's always the option of now that, you know, the UCI is getting involved with gravel and USA Cycling is getting involved with gravel and there's always the chance that they start doing something like what road racing does where you have categories just based on past race to race experience and results you know so the pros start at this time and then the category one people start at this time and so on and so forth like you just move down and you know you may not be anywhere near the fastest person out there if you were to all race together but if you are a category two racer, which means you're pretty much a fast amateur, then who knows? Maybe you'd win category two. I uh, think that makes a lot more sense than doing age groups. I don't think they'll ever break out staggered starts because I think that that would open up the like, well, I'm a cat two, but I'll like wait for my cat three buddy and go with them and like drag them around and help them win. Also, I think part of gravel is like, I could light out with Peter Sagan. Meh. I, I think that's a big thing. When we talk about those experiential racers, I think that's a big thing that's important to people. Yeah, probably. 
I was just saying that's a possible. If people really want to throw a shit fit about it, they could even do it as different as, say, starting pros. Say, okay, if you want to compete for prize money and a big podium We don't ceremony. talk about that in gravel. That's not within the spirit of gravel. <laughs> prize money is not in the spirit of gravel. So if you want to compete for the big prize money, say, like at Steamboat Gravel. Steamboat Gravel has a large prize purse. If you want to compete for that, you sign up as a professional and you go and you compete with people for the money. And if you don't sign up as a professional, then they put you into maybe like triathlon style. They're like, okay, in your age group, you were first place. And they mean in your age group out of professional, you were first place. I don't know. Maybe something like that would help people feel better about how they finished in a race. I don't know. I kind of think people should stop caring if you're an amateur. Like, if you want to race, that's great. <laughs> I mean, a couple of things. I think racing is kind of silly at the amateur level, personally. But um, I know that's not what people want to hear. And maybe that's like a curmudgeon way to think about things. But It totally not, is. Racing's it's, awesome. It's not that you shouldn't race. <laughs> I've enjoyed racing. Um, I've done a lot of racing. It's that I never really, whenever I was racing, very rarely was I racing the person next to me. I know that seems weird, but I was always racing the course, typically. That's all I really cared about, and especially with gravel. Race the course. Like, be proud of whatever time you put down. But, like, you know, because the fact of the matter is one day you're going to get, you know, second, and the next day you're going to get 70th because it just depends on who shows up. So, like, I just think it's a dumb argument. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. But on the other hand, I think racing is just fun in general. I like racing. Uh, do we want, we have one more question. Speed round. Well, this is a very speed round in every way. Clayton also wants to know, is Kenny the mountain bike Rob Dom? Uh, maybe that's a weird, maybe a weird comparison. Um, (laughs) yeah. I didn't know who Rob Dom was before this and Matt showed me. I... So I I don't I don't have much of an opinion. So you two can discuss who say who that is, so that people know, and then you can decide if Kenny is that person. Yeah, I mean, Do I you know. Want to take a stab at I know a limited amount person? about him. My understanding is he, you know, was a pretty good business guy, made a bunch of money, and now plays around with weird car projects, essentially. Yeah, and to elaborate, at one point he asked a company for some measurements, and they told him no. And it was on the the Hoonigan uh, Hoonicorn, the the really gnarly all wheel drive or four wheel drive uh, Mustang that they built. Sure. And he was not. He didn't ask Hoonigan because he wasn't Rob Dom yet. I mean, he was Rob Dom, but he wasn't the Rob Dom yet. And he's done a lot with Hoonigan now, and they're friends now right but before then he he couldn't call hoonigan and be like yo what's this but he wanted to know some measurements and he got stonewalled and he literally he knew that this part was this size and he froze a, a like he did a screen capture zoomed in counted pixels compared sizes and built products very close in size to what the hoonicorn had because they had told him no and he wanted to run the same six speed six-speed sequential transmission that was in the Hoonicorn, and he went to order one, and he was told that he wasn't a customer of that company. 
And instead, he said, well, I can fix this with my checkbook. And he put out like an open want to buy or just like scoured the web and found one. And he just bought a used one and sent it in for repair because he was a, a customer of the product now and got it refurbished. And now he has that in his car. Um, so I think in that sense where when a company's like, mm, no, and Rob is like, well, fuck you. I'll just figure it out. Like, yes, Kenny is the Rob Dom <laughs> of mountain biking. Would you disagree with that sentiment? I mean, maybe. I mean, Rob Dom's probably, <laughs> probably uh, a smarter, more engineer than, uh, than I am. But no, I appreciate the sentiment of the comparison. Um, yeah, the little bit I've watched of Rob Dom, he's seems to be uh, an interesting dude, but I think He's fucking intense. He's pretty intense, yeah. I think the better description of me is that I just enjoy cool stuff and I don't really want to get, you know, mixed up with politics. Like, I just don't care. And that's why I kind of have the stance I do these days on things like racing. It's not that it's not fun. I think you can have a lot of fun with it. But when you start making it not fun, then it's not fun anymore. So stop making it not fun. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. Are we... uh... Are we done here? Give me a little shorter show tonight. I'm, I'm That's good fine. with that. I'm good. Kenny, you good? <laughs> yeah, I'm good. All right, shutting it down. Good night. Bye. Thanks for tuning in to the Just Riding Along show.